Ready. Aim. Fire. Welcome back to another episode of the Fire Below Zero podcast. Today's a very special episode where I get to interview my co-host TJ, so you guys can learn a bit more about him, about his backstory, and how this Phi journey has impacted his life. So with that, I'd love to welcome TJ to the show. How you doing today, TJ? Hey, Cody. I'm super pumped to be here to finally share my story on this podcast. So it's been a long time coming, and I'm super excited to just you know dive into it. Yeah, and I can't wait to dive into your story, TJ, because I just think it's so relatable. And it's similar to a lot of the paths that many people have come from to get to this FI journey. Because at one point, you were living paycheck to paycheck. You didn't exactly know how to handle your finances. And you just had a complete 180. Now you're crushing this FI game. So it just shows that anything is possible. You came from $24,000 a year of combined income to over six figures of combined income. And you just... Your savings rate went through the roof. So I just think it's such an inspiring story. And it really tells the listeners that this is possible. You can do this. So TJ, let's kind of hop into your background. Let's start from the very beginning. So I know, but many of the listeners might not know that you were actually born in a third world country. So how did that kind of shape your financial mindset and how you thought about money and just your whole monetary philosophy? Right, Cody. I'd say growing up in Nigeria has definitely had the biggest impact on my money mindset. So for one, and most important, like my dad was super frugal. I mean, he was fire before we learned about fire. Like he was very intentional with money. He had a solid, good paying job, but he only focused on spending money on things that absolutely mattered. So even though we lived in a country where there's definitely a wide variety of classes, there's those that are doing, you know, extremely well. But there's also, you know, just a lot of people that are living in poverty. So we were extremely fortunate to be in that, you know, quote unquote, middle class lifestyle. And we definitely didn't live like it. Like my dad was super intentional. Like we never, you know, went on all these trips and vacations. Like those were things that we seldom did because that wasn't super important to my father. It wasn't super important to our family. But the biggest thing that mattered to my dad was education. He wanted us to focus on schooling and he always wanted us to have, you know, good grades and all that. So he made sure that a lot of his resources went to us going to the best schools in Nigeria. And when we did have the opportunity to move to the U.S., that was something that he absolutely supported and made sure that we were able to do so and focus on school completely and not have to worry about, you know, paying. So TJ, this might be completely due to my ignorance because I know nothing about Nigeria, but what is the economy like? Is there a stock market you can invest in? Is it similar products like 401ks, IRAs, or just how do people save for their financial future? Is there a pension? Is there social security? Just, I guess, how does the whole economic system work? Yeah, I'd say it's, it's totally different. Now, I'm not very familiar with it, um, but I do know there are pensions, right? There are pension funds for like uh, teachers and people who work for the government. But I'm not very familiar. I know that, that my dad invested a lot in the U.S. stock market and he also invested in property back home in Nigeria. So that was really where he parked a lot of his wealth. But the economy as a whole right now isn't doing too great. 
There's not a whole lot of jobs. There's not a whole lot of people that are succeeding. So the opportunity that most of us have just being in the U.S. is so enormous. And that is why I just feel so blessed and I feel so fortunate to have the opportunities that I do today because I think there's just a limited amount of work back home in Nigeria. Yeah, TJ, I think sometimes we just forget how fortunate we are to grow up in a first world country. I mean, even I'm guilty of that. Uh, Just for an example, so my girlfriend and I, when we lived in Australia, we had an Iranian roommate and I was talking to her about the five concepts about entrepreneurship and she had never even heard of entrepreneurship before because in her country, if you stray away from the system, you could be executed or you could go missing and you just, and no one ever finds you again. So it's just a completely different environment. And having the privilege that we have in the U.S. is such a huge advantage over some of these third world countries who have to stay within their system's guidelines just to survive. And that is exactly right, Cody. And it's something that we hear time and time again. There's so many people all around the world in different countries who don't have the same options. A lot of people who don't have a consistent paycheck or who don't even have the opportunity to find jobs where they live. See, the struggle is, for most of us, our world just gets so small. We only think about what we have going on in our lives. But believe me, there's just such an opportunity that we have just being in a lot of these countries that we are today. So being the U.S. or being the U.K. or, you know, just all these different countries, first world countries all around the world. We have opportunities that a lot of people do not have access to. So it's our responsibility to be more intentional, to save and invest for the future so that we can set ourselves up to be more successful. So we are extremely blessed and I'm just so happy to be here. So TJ, how old were you when you actually moved to the States? So I moved down here in 2005. I had to be 17 at the time. And you know, just went straight into college and just started that whole process. So again, I know very little about Nigeria. So was it like a huge culture shock when you came over here? Like, did people act the same? Were the mannerisms the same? Did they have this crazy rat race consumerism mindset? Or was it just a totally different background? I guess just give me a little insight into what Nigeria is like as opposed to the United States. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of differences. But I will say like, For the most part, we kind of tailor things to the U.S. So we watch a lot of, you know, movies, we the music, the food. We definitely emulated things in the U.S., but it was still a culture shock. Right. There was still a lot of things that I hadn't been exposed to, like McDonald's. (laughs) When I first got here, my favorite meal was a McChicken because it was I never had a chicken sandwich. (laughs) It was just so different. And. There was definitely, those first few years were, you know, very adventurous and just completely different. But luckily, you know, I had my family, I had my siblings that were also in the U.S. So it just definitely made things a little bit more easier for me to cope with. (laughs) Hold up, TJ. So you had your first McChicken when you were 17 years old. It's probably a good thing, honestly. But okay, moving on. So when you moved over to the States, I know it was probably different, a little bit of a different culture. Was the teaching style the same? Were the kids the same? What were some of the major differences that you noticed between America and Nigeria? And do you think you were adequately prepared for them? So personally, I actually, I'd say um, I just, you know, blended in very well. 
I was very prepared. You know, I, I came in my first year. I had chemistry, calculus and all these quote unquote difficult classes. But I was definitely very prepared for them. Um, the only thing that I'd say is I didn't work. So a lot of my peers at the time, you know, they had to work. They had to keep jobs. But for us, being on an F1 visa, you're actually only allowed to work a limited amount of time. They want to know that you have family or you have someone that's going to be able to provide for you. So luckily, you know, I had my dad who basically took care of most of my college expenses. So I really didn't have to work. So I spent most of my time focusing on school, making sure I got good grades. And that definitely worked out in my favor in the long run. Yeah. And that's huge. Like you had the opportunity to just focus on your studies. You didn't have to worry about working 20, 30, 40 hours a week to say, keep up with rent or pay your tuition bill. That was an awesome advantage that you had coming into college with your dad supporting you financially. But I know that even after six years of college with a master's degree in engineering and you were crushing it with the grades, you were still unable to find a job. So, I mean, I just want to hear what that feels like from a mindset perspective, because I can't even imagine that. That must be so devastating. So how were you able to cope with that and get through that rough time? So it was after my master's, I graduated, and I just expected that once I graduated, I would easily find a job. But that was obviously not how it worked out. Now, there's definitely a few things that didn't work to my advantage. Being that I wasn't born in the U.S., there were definitely a lot of uh, hurdles that I had to kind of jump through. But there were still people that had similar backgrounds, but they were able to land jobs, right? So it was more difficult, definitely. I just didn't succeed. So at that time, I remember just feeling so down on myself, starting to lose my confidence, starting to lose my edge. Like everything that I had up until that point that was a strength, it just kind of backfired, right? I just started to feel so depressed, like I'll never be able to get a job. And obviously that wasn't true, but this was the mental mind state that I was in. And then during that period, you know, I got married to my college sweetheart and we had our daughter. So here we are, you know, a family of three and I have no job and I couldn't provide for my family. So that was one of the most, you know, difficult times in my life. And my wife was the only one working. And at the time she made just around $24,000 a year. So for a family of three, we definitely were below the poverty line. So it was just so difficult. I was completely crushed mentally, and I really didn't know if I would ever be able to get out of that situation. Wow, TJ, that really hits me because personally, I cannot relate to that situation, and I cannot even imagine how hard that was on you and your family. So with this master's degree in engineering, you can't find a job, and obviously you're definitely at one of the lowest points of your life. So with that $24,000 a year that your wife was making, like, were you just putting your nose to the grindstone, trying to save as much as you can, living super intentionally, or were you just spending every penny that came through the door? Oh, yeah. Every single penny that came in went out the door. We had no idea about finances or saving, but definitely it was a low income, but we had no idea what we were doing. So we had the latest smartphones. We had iPhones, Samsung Galaxies. We had cable, like all I would do all day was play video games and watch like the Maury show. <laughs> and like the reason I would watch these shows was really because these people on these shows made me feel better about myself. 
they were just doing the craziest things and they were underachieving in life. So I looked to them to feel good about myself. So it was just a horrible place to be. We weren't good with money and definitely we lived paycheck to paycheck. So TJ, just knowing where you're at today, I know that there must have been some catalyst, like something had to change. Were you just sitting there one day, you woke up at 3 p.m., you're in your boxers watching the Mori show, get a few rounds of Mario Kart in, kill some people on Call of Duty, and then you're like, I'm going to change my life around. I need to get my finances together. Or just how did it happen exactly? Right. So during that time, I'd say it was around the time that we had my daughter, and I just started to just feel like a bum. I just felt like I had to do more for my daughter. So at that time, I was watching a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of content that just inspired me to, you know, keep pushing and keep trying. And around that same time, I started reading and I found this book called The Alchemist. And I'll say that book is probably the number one reason why I was able to turn things around. Because even as bad as things were, it just kind of psyched me out. It just made me believe that if I really wanted it and if I put my mind to it, I'd be able to turn things around. So I'd say that was the starting point. Now, things didn't change instantly, but that was where I started to pick up steam, started to build confidence, and things just slowly started to turn around. So TJ, when you actually did land that first job in engineering and your income skyrocketed from $24,000 a year combined household income to over six figures, did your savings rate just increase astronomically or were you still living super frugally on that $24,000 a year lifestyle or did you get hit with that lifestyle creep? So could you just talk about what your life looked like once you got that huge income boost? Right. So once we got that job, so combined, we uh, definitely made six figures. So that was great. You know, coming from $24,000 a year to six figures. But at the time, we still weren't intentional. So we had a couple of months in there where we definitely spent recklessly, right? But luckily for us, coming from $24,000 a year, it wasn't completely crazy. So maybe we were spending half of what we earned or just more than half. But as soon as we started to learn more about money, start to learn more about finances, we quickly started to dial things back down to what we were spending prior. So we were probably spending somewhere in the 2000 to $3,000 a month range by, I'd say, by six months or so after I got my first full-time job. Okay, so that's definitely a huge gap. I mean, making over six figures a year and spending $36,000 a year, that's a pretty good chunk of change for your savings rate. But so was The Alchemist the reason that you made financial decisions, or was The Alchemist just kind of the mindset shift? Like, was there another catalyst that kind of sent you on this financial journey? Right. So I'd say the number one person that was responsible for that was Dave Ramsey. (laughs) And a lot of people don't like Dave, but I'd say he's really good for getting you psyched about getting out of debt, paying off credit cards, you know, doing all those types of things. At that point, my wife and I probably had around $40,000 in debt. So as soon as I read his book, I was like, okay, this is an emergency. We have to get rid of this debt. So We just attacked debt, attacked debt, and I'd say it probably took us a year and a half to two years, and we paid off our debt, and then we started to be more intentional about saving and investing. (laughs) So Dave's definitely a good guy, and he's doing a lot of the right things. Like, he's sending Americans down the right path. He's getting them to pay off their debt and at least have some turnaround in their financial future. But Dave Ramsey is just the beginning. He is the kindergarten (laughs) of Phi. Like, he is just the base level, TJ. And you and I know that he does catch quite a bit of flack in the community because he doesn't really extend past pay off your debt. 
That's it. There's nothing after that. So naturally, you probably wanted more. So how did you kind of get into this financial independence movement? Did you start reading some blogs or a certain book? Just what catapulted you towards Phi? Right. So I was just consuming a lot of content and naturally looking up and like trying to find out what's the next move for us. What's the next play? So I started to find all these blogs and just kind of dove deep into the content. And these people just really inspired me to start doing more with my money, to start investing, to start trying to save more of our income. So it was really during that transition point that I found this amazing community of people, all these amazing bloggers that, you know, just really changed our lives, essentially. Discovering blogs was definitely huge for me too, TJ, because I like finally figured out that these were real people and they weren't superheroes. Like it's one thing to read a bunch of numbers off a page and be like, oh, okay, like if I save this amount of income, I can retire at X age. But when you read someone typing words about their experience retiring at 30, you're like, wow, this is actually attainable. And it's not these weird freaks who are building these crazy businesses and selling them for $10 million at age 25. It's not these people who are living under a rock. It's normal guys. Like they go have fun on the weekends. They go play sports and you know, they, they like drinking beers and they like hanging out. It wasn't some like weird freak. Like some people might think like, Oh, I can't do that. Like I'm not some, I'm not some weirdo. It's literally just a few life optimization tweaks that these people are doing and completely reshaping their financial future. So yeah, that was so huge for me, TJ. Absolutely. These were just regular mere mortals that were quitting work at age 30, quitting work in their 40s just by being intentional. And that is the thing that is so huge. And I hope that the listeners really gather is that this doesn't have to be this super optimal strategy, right? You don't have to be perfect. You can start in your 40s and 50s and still make the difference in your financial life. The people that are doing this are no better than you. Some of them make way less money than you, but they're able to take control of their financial future just by implementing a few steps and strategies. Yeah, TJ, and this definitely all boils back down to that intentionality that we're always talking about on this show. So it's just building the lifestyle that you want, like based on the things that you value. So if you do love your job, sure, work at it for the next 40 years. You'll probably have a really good time and you'll enjoy what you're doing. But if you are sitting in that cubicle, just punching away numbers or writing things that you don't really care about and you want to get out, then you need to be intentional about your spending. You need to be intentional about your finances. If you know that you need to start living on a lot less, like Jacob from Early Retirement Extreme lived on $12,000 a year because he wanted to retire as soon as possible. And that was an intentional choice. And just knowing that number and being intentional about your spending is so crucial to crushing this five game. And so TJ, with that, I kind of want to swing into why you started your blog because you definitely had the intention and you definitely were reading a lot of these bloggers but you kind of had a different spin on things. So could you just talk about why you started your blog and what are some of the things you didn't exactly agree with that the Fi community was voicing? Right. So it definitely took me a few years to finally say, all right, it's time to start my own blog. But the reason I started Half-Life Theory was because I just wanted to encourage people to think differently. In this space, there's a certain code of conduct. There's certain rules and guidelines for achieving Fi. And I just noticed that a lot of people were saying the same things. And if you dared implement a different strategy, right, or do something that was popularly frowned upon, people just shunned you. 
So like people investing in uh, single stocks, that's something that we all know is a loser's game. That's very popular and people frown at that. But personally, I have a brother that's been doing it for over five years and he's been quite successful at it. So my whole point was before we just dismiss these strategies, why don't we try to implement them for ourselves? And I'm not telling you, this is not to tell you to, you know, go invest in single stocks. I'm just saying maybe it does make sense to learn more about it. And maybe it does make sense to invest a small portion of your net worth, maybe 10% or less in single stocks and just see how it goes. And maybe it does make sense to use leverage to try to build wealth through, you know, buying properties and all these other strategies that a lot of other people are very familiar with and have been able to use to achieve some level of financial stability and success. So that was my whole point of starting Half-Life Theory was just to encourage people to be a little more open-minded and try different strategies that may be different from what everyone else is doing. Yeah, that's a great point, TJ, because I do think sometimes that the FI community can be a little dogmatic. Like, you're not going to be smitten down by the VTSAX God, that's a Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, and that's like the holy grail of the FI community. Like, everyone loves that fund, and I love that fund too. That's honestly where a majority of my money is held. But like I said, you're not going to get struck down by the hammer of VTSAX if you dabble in a few individual stocks, because people are making money that way. Like, it is a viable strategy. And like TJ said, we're not telling you to invest in single stocks or individual stocks. We're just telling you that it is a viable option and people are creating massive amounts of wealth that way or leveraging their real estate properties instead of just buying all cash. So there are just so many different strategies and TJ and I definitely don't want to be dogmatic whatsoever about any of them. We just want to explore all the possibilities. And something that TJ and I both are really passionate about is this idea of increasing your income and not fighting about little basis points here and there on expense ratios and on different types of funds. So throwing a hundred more dollars into a brokerage account or an IRA or whatever, pick your investment vehicle every month is going to have such a more dramatic effect than fighting for these little basis points here and there. Like if you're choosing one mutual fund over the other, because one is a 0.08 expense ratio and the other one is a 0.11, like you're fighting over three basis points, which at the end of the day is not going to have a huge impact on your portfolio over the long run. But if you grow your skills and you start to command more income and you start doing side hustles and you can start actually putting more cold hard cash away into these accounts, they will grow exponentially. So yeah, I mean, TJ and I are definitely seeing eye to eye on that and we just don't want to sweat the little things. Like who cares if you're investing in your traditional versus your Roth? Like the point is that you're investing. Yes, we're going to get into the minutia of that and what accounts do what and when you shouldn't invest in where. But our goal is to just change your mindset about your income. You are not stuck in the income that you have today. You have the ability to command so much more income by growing your skill set and becoming better every single day. Right. And that's actually the second thing that really frustrated me was that people always said, it's just about what you save. That's what you need to focus on. And they would tell people that, you know, are possibly making 20000 a year, $25,000 a year that it doesn't matter what they made, all they have to do was save as much as they could. And I just personally felt like that is so dangerous. If someone's making $20,000 a year, okay, it's important to save, but we need to inspire them, right? We need to encourage them to get more skill sets and to command more income in the marketplace. 
because I personally feel like that's a mindset thing. If you accept to be making only $20,000 a year, this is not to put you down. This is not to put anybody down. I believe that each and every one of us can make more income. There's just certain skill sets that you currently don't have, and that is okay. But you need to spend your time, and we all need to spend our time to be learning how to pick up these skill sets so we can command more income in the marketplace. So once you start to increase your income to that $40,000 a year, 50, 60, you don't even have to get to six figures. But I feel that each and every one of us in this community, we're all intentional. We're all intelligent people. I feel each and every one of us can command more income. And when we do that, we will ultimately crush this fire game so much quicker. I couldn't agree with you more, TJ. And one thing I want to say is that in my experience, confidence is one of the leading factors that is preventing people from commanding more income and just launching themselves down this five path. So a lot of people just don't believe that they have the skills necessary to earn more income or start a side hustle, but it is just wrong. And I kind of think it starts from a very young age. Like in America, we are taught to fear failure. Everyone gets a trophy no matter what place you come in because everyone wants to feel like a winner. And when you get that mindset drilled into you at such a young age, naturally it carries into your young adulthood and throughout your whole life. So you never kind of take a risk and you never jump out and try that entrepreneurial venture that you really wanted to do when you were a little kid. Like every little kid has the most insane, wildest dreams. They want to be an astronaut or they want to travel the world and then they get into adulthood and this all of that disappears. And I really think it's from this lack of confidence, which stems from this fear of failure. So do not be afraid to fail. Like a lot of side hustles, like I'm going back to the side hustle thing. You can watch a dog on Rover and that's, that's a side hustle. You get extra money. If you're putting a few extra hundred dollars away in your in one of your investment accounts, that's going to grow exponentially over the next X number of years until you retire. So you don't need these crazy skills. You don't need to be an expert computer programmer. You can make these changes today and increase your income. And from a skills perspective, failing makes you better. Failing does not make you a bad person. Like I fail so much, but that's what's made me who I am today. If I were not to fail, if I were to just be super successful at everything, then how am I ever going to learn? How am I going to know what's right and what's wrong? I think failure is such a powerful tool and a lot of people are too scared to implement it. So that's going to be the end of the formal interview, but this would not be the Fire Below Zero podcast if we didn't bring you through the Spit and Fire segment, where you get to drop the hottest financial knowledge on our guests. So TJ, you think you're ready for this? Oh yeah, Cody. I'm super excited for this. Welcome to the Spit and Fire segment, where we get to pick the brains of some of the best and brightest in an effort to live better, more intentional lives. Are you ready to transform your future? Alright TJ, so let's hop right in. What is the most influential thing you've read in the past year? Could be a book, could be a blog post, anything at all. Yeah, so currently I'll have to go with Tim Ferriss's Tools of Titans. It's just a super awesome, well-written book, and it has insights from some of the most successful people in the world. So he splits up this book into healthy, wealthy, and wise. So I personally started with wealthy, and what I do is every single day I read a chapter on one person, and then I take all these tips and all these knowledge from people that I would have probably never, ever met in my life. But I get to use the same things that help them be successful to kind of map out my own future. So that book is just so special to me, and it's something that I read every single day. 
Awesome choice, TJ. I happen to be a huge Tim Ferriss fan myself, and I have read Tools of Titans and all of his other books, so definitely can second you on that one. But let's hop into the second question. Who is someone that currently inspires you? Okay, so I actually have two answers for this. So first of all, I have to say my dad, you know, just growing up, every single thing that I saw this man do and just how intentional he was with money and how he only focused on providing for his family. He didn't care about showing off. He didn't care about having all the nicest things. But every single thing that we needed was always provided. And that's just someone that I've always looked up to. And I just hope to be able to have the same influence and to be able to provide the same lifestyle for my children. And then secondly, I would have to say Tom Billy. This guy is just super inspirational. And his podcast, Impact Theory, is just somewhere I go to anytime I want to get pumped up. Anytime I want to just learn new things, new concepts, new ideas. Like He's just so incredible. And I really enjoy his content and every single thing that he's doing right now. So those are the two people I have to say. Well, TJ, it sounds like your dad was the Prometheus in your life. He brought the fire down to earth. (laughs) Right. And yeah, Tom Bilyeu is just awesome. Impact Theory is a great podcast. So after you're done listening to this podcast every week, you can go check that one out. (laughs) Just messing around. Let's move on to question number three. What is one app on your phone that you could not live without? Wow. So this one is pretty tough, but um, I'd still have to say two. (laughs) So uh, definitely cheating right now. But the first one I'll have to say is uh, personal capital. Like it's just an amazing tool for tracking our net worth. There's nothing else out there on the market that is as powerful as this tool. So I personally use it like every single week, checking my net worth, just making sure that things are looking the way that they should. So it's just an amazing product. And then the second thing, just being a blogger, I'd have to say is the notepad app on my iPhone. So anytime I have a new concept, anytime I have a new idea that I want to explore further, I always have to jot it down. So it might be in the middle of the night. It might be, you know, first thing in the morning, you know, things always pop up in our mind. So I just always have to have my phone I always have to have that app close to me just so I can put ideas down. Yeah, definitely, TJ. And I'm a huge advocate of the notepad as well. I am always writing new ideas for blog posts. And for people who don't know what personal capital is, it basically aggregates all your accounts, so bank accounts, credit card statements, mortgage, everything into one platform so you can see your outstanding balances, you can see your net worth, and it's just a super easy and free way to keep track of your finances. So If you do want to go check it out, you can look on the Fire Below Zero homepage and you can sign up there. And now we're going to move on to the final question of the podcast. And this is the wild card question. So TJ has no idea what I'm about to ask him. This question changes every week from guest to guest. TJ, you think you're ready for this? Oh man, let's do it. All right. If you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Wow, that is just incredibly difficult because, you know, I love Marvel. Like, all the movies that they've put out lately have been so amazing. So, um, what's crazy is I actually think I have to go with a villain on this one. <laughs> I probably have to go with Bane. Like, just that character from The Dark Knight, Tom Hardy just absolutely nails it. And I have just always loved that character. His voice, his demeanor, his muscles, you know, that's what I want to look like. (laughs) So, yeah, I have to go with Bane. 
So it probably makes sense just for the type of blogger that I am, being that I'm always saying things that are different from what, you know, most of the people are saying. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, TJ. I definitely did not expect you to pull the villain card there. <laughs> By any chance, does your choosing of Bane have anything to do with the fact that the Fire Below Zero is going to take the game over from the underground, kind of like Bane did in The Dark Knight? That is exactly what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a really funny picture of me wearing a Bane mask and flexing about as hard as I possibly can. So we'll definitely toss that in the show notes so you guys can make fun of me and laugh a little. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's cool, man. All right. Well, that's going to bring this episode to a close. So thank you guys again so much for tuning in. If TJ and I were just calling each other up, recording it, and nobody was listening, that would kind of suck. That would not be a very fun podcast. So thank you guys for making this possible. And if you want to check out anything that we talked about today... You can visit the show notes at firebelowzero.com slash 004. And you can also continue the discussion in our Facebook community. Just go onto Facebook and look up Fire Below Zero and join the group. We also added a new cool voicemail feature. So go to firebelowzero.com slash voicemail, send TJ and I your questions, and we'll answer them. This can be a lot of fun and get everyone involved. And if you got some value out of this episode... Please go leave a rating, review, share this with friends and family. It just helps us get noticed and to spread this financial independence message. So thank you so much again for listening. This has been another episode of the Fire Below Zero podcast, a cooler approach to financial independence. (laughs) 